Here on Gadget Lab, we dive deep into the tech universe, tackling questions like, is giving companies access to your genetic material a good idea? And are the latest phone releases really that different than the last ones? We want to help you make informed decisions about what is worth your attention. And here's something that is undeniably worth your time, a digital subscription to Wired. Lucky for you, we are giving Gadget Lab listeners an exclusive discount, 20% off an annual subscription to Wired. Just visit Wired.com and use the promo code GL20 to get 20% off a digital subscription. Use GL20 to get exclusive access to stories on the latest innovations like AI, deepfakes, and VR, as well as today's most talked about people in technology. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. AI is making waves in every field it touches. President Biden is now on TikTok and the election draws closer each day. With so much going on in the world, it is hard to keep up with it all, let me tell you. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdal, the co-host of Make Me Smart. It's a podcast from Marketplace. And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts. Lauren. Mike. How often do you look at your phone every day? Oh, uh, too often, unless I'm sleeping and then I'm not looking. Otherwise, I would say if I can go a full hour or two without looking at my phone, like if I'm in a yoga class, that is pretty notable. What about you? Um, I look at it from the moment I wake up until the moment I fall asleep with it hitting my face. But <laughs> I would say there's there's usually like a couple of two to three hour blocks in the middle of the day when I'm working or exercising or playing music where I'm I'm not looking at my phone. But, but aren't you working on your phone and playing music from your phone? No, I mean like playing music with a musical instrument that I'm holding in my hands. Oh, oh, the old fashioned <laughs> kind. Okay, got it. Well, you also use technologies that are sort of designed to get you to look at your screen less, right? Like you wear smartwatches and you use Siri and you test smart glasses for your job. Um, define using Siri. <laughs> um, no, I do wear a smartwatch. I happen to not wear an Apple watch. I wear Garmin and I get notifications, but I'm not, it doesn't feel like a little phone, you know? Right. Uh, and, and despite all that, I still look at my phone. Is there anything technology-wise that could get you to stop looking at your phone? I could throw it in the ocean, except that would be bad for the ocean. <laughs> It'd be very bad. Well, you're in luck. Today, we're going to talk about an extremely bizarre product that might somehow help you look at your phone less. I am not convinced, <laughs> but let's do it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Gadget Lab. I am Michael Calori. I'm a senior editor at Wired. And I'm Lauren Good. I'm a senior writer at Wired. We are also joined today once again by Wired senior writer Paresh Dave. I'm delighted to be back so soon. Yes, it's great to have you. We're thrilled to have you back. Like we said the last time, we were just giving you a 10-month warm-up. Now that you've been on once, you're going to be on all the time. 
That sounds wonderful to me. <laughs> All right. Well, you've got a smartphone. You've got a smartwatch. You've got your smart glasses. You've got a sort of smart voice assistant living inside all of those things. What else could you possibly need to get through the day? How about an interactive pin? Hmm. Today, we will be talking about a new piece of hardware that clips to your shirt and uses tap gestures and voice controls to do basic things for you, like answer calls, translate speech, count calories, capture photos, search the web. It's from a company called Humane a startup founded in 2018 by two former Apple employees. After five or six years of working on this thing in secret, the company has emerged from the darkness and demonstrated its wearable device to the tech press. It's called the Humane AI Pin, and Paresh, you got to sit in on a demo. Can you tell us what you saw? So the the demo started with a tour of their studio. Um, so they're here in San Francisco and they have a, a few office spaces nearby each other, one where they do all their engineering, all that uh, magical stuff, wasn't allowed to see that. Um, but I went into the studio and first they showed off the variety of colors. So there's a, a darker version, a lighter version, something in between. Then they showed how it sort of looks, uh, you know, the pack, the box, the packaging, and then once you open the packaging, all the different things that you would see, you, you know, they were showing off their, their wonderful little charging cable. They're offering a charging brick. And then from there, I walked into a, a room where they had some some of these pins set up on like tripods, assume it for photo shoots or some reason. Um, but I wasn't allowed to take photos of anything. Right. Uh, and then I uh, was taken into sort of, you know, where there's a bunch of desks. And then they had set up these very white tables filled with different objects and things. Um, but first, before those tables were these tables where they had laid out sort of each component of uh, this pin. So I was able to touch the raw piece of aluminum from which they eventually carve out this pin. I was able to touch the different sensors that are in it. And then uh, finally got around to these demos. So one of the, the most basic things that they showed me is um, you can get it to answer questions. So it has AI built into it just like ChatGPT. So it answered a question about the World Series. It answered a question about uh, who the president was in 1900 here in the US. Uh, it told me all about uh, French President Emmanuel Macron's background. Uh, it was pretty, uh, pretty useful, but sort of what you'd expect from anything that has that kind of capability at this point. Uh, then they uh, showed demos of translations. So me saying something in Spanish and it translating it to English for the other person. Same with Japanese. Uh, we also uh, did this thing where you show it a bowl of almonds uh, and say, you know, how many how many grams of almonds should I be eating a day? How many calories are them? Sort of ask these sort of food related questions. Uh, and it's able to track, you know, how much you're consuming if you're activating the camera while doing so. And as a result, it was able to to, to tell the demoer that he had had about, you know, five grams of almonds today. And uh, Humane expects health to be a, a key thing uh, in their service going forward, it sounds like. I see. So you weren't, you were not allowed to wear it. Somebody else was wearing it and you were talking to this person and watching them use it. Correct. Um, but my voice was used as the input at times. Right. Uh, also saw them make a phone call. Um, the speaker, 
I thought was sort of crystal clear for the phone call, even better than the the music that uh, was demoed coming out of it. So I would say I can see how people would want to use this as a as a phone, but this would mean talking aloud in public a lot, um, <laughs> although it does support headphones. Presh, there was supposed to be some kind of interaction where it like projects onto your skin. Is, did you get to see that? What is that like? Yeah, so that's one of the the main things that you should know about this device. So one, it's standalone. Uh, you don't need to pair it to a phone. In fact, you can't even or really pair it to a phone. Uh, it has LTE connectivity, and there's a touchpad on the pin, so you can kind of tap on it to activate the microphone or activate the camera. It's not a, a screen. You can't really look at anything there. So what they did is they put a, a laser projector into the pin. So you hold your hand out, uh, and it projects what they call laser ink um, onto your your hand. Which is just lasers. Right? <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, it's sort of a, to me, it looked bluish green is how I guess I would describe the color. And you do a variety of gestures. So if you want to go back uh, uh, to see sort of like a menu, you push your hand out. If you want to click on a, a button, say the pause button or the play button while you're listening to, to music, you pinch your index finger and thumb together. When you want to go to the, the home screen, you clasp your hand together. So they've invented these, these gestures um, and they've made it one-handed, which was one of the big sort of debates that they had as a company was whether to make it something where you use your finger to, to on your other hand to tap on it. Uh, and they decided that gestures and one-handed was the way to go to make it feel sort of quick and lightweight and, and easy. I see. So they've taken some of the core components of a phone. They've offloaded it onto a pin that's on your body. And then instead of using a touchscreen for input, you're basically using some kind of skin put on the palm of your hand. I'm just curious, was this dreamed up at like Burning Man? Like <laughs> did like a bunch of Apple employees after toiling away an infinite loop for years and years and being siloed in secrecy, like get to go to Burning Man one year and we're like, you know what? <laughs> what if we just put it on your skin? Well, it's not just that. There, you can also use uh, your voice, uh, and they do expect people to use voice commands. What if a lot. you could talk to it? <laughs> but we do that with our devices today, um, so that's not too had different. An artificial intelligence that's creeping towards general <laughs> artificial intelligence. I mean, I think I'm the sorry, main thing. Please to, continue. <laughs> I think the main thing to keep in mind is that there were companies trying to do this with smart glasses already, right? Use these sort of projector systems, uh, like Magic Leap, to put a screen in front of your face. And Humane is trying to say that there's no humanity in that. That um, we don't want to have uh, screens in front of us all day long, and can't really right now get a smart glasses to last all day long uh, because they require so much batteries and then you end up having something like Apple's Vision Pro with this battery pack or whatever. So right, right. the idea here is it's it's lightweight enough, it's low powered enough that it can hopefully kind of last you through the day for the most part. And it takes away that that screen, which is sort of humane's founding principle. Right. And in, in all seriousness, did you find it compelling when you were seeing it? Like, were you thinking, I, I wish I had this instead of my phone? 
I don't know. The the AI smarts are coming to our phones. Uh, there's been you know rumors that Google with their next Pixel phone, certainly Apple with an iPhone somewhere in the near future, will have a much better Google Assistant, will have a much better Siri that have a lot more capabilities that we've become accustomed to with ChatGPT. So from that angle, these AI smarts are coming to other devices. So that doesn't feel like a compelling sell. And you know, there's watches that do a lot of what this device already does. I appreciate the hands-free nature of it for um, for many uses, but it just, I don't know. I, I can't see where it fits into my life just yet. What do we know about pricing and availability? Well, that's one of the reasons why I don't know where it fits into my fi- life. It'll cost you at least, uh, <laughs> it'll cost you at least $699. And that's, just the start of it because for that LTE connection and it'll get you'll get a phone number with it it'll also get you access to all these AI services and and other sort of apps they're not calling them apps but services that are going to be built into the pin that'll cost you $24 a month so that's a that's a big investment i mean it's basically like adding a cell phone <laughs> to your cell phone plan yeah so yeah, it's like you're adding another phone to your life, but a phone that you wear in your shirt with a camera that's always facing out. Um, how, like, what's the the sort of the vibe like when you're standing in front of somebody who's wearing it and there's a camera pointing at you? Is there like a light that comes on? Is there any indication that the camera is on or off? There is. So there's a what they call it, what Humane calls a trust light um, that lights up different colors depending on on what mode it's in. So it does tell people around you when it's recording. It tells people around you when it's filming so there they from the very beginning humane made this uh promise that they wanted to build a more trustworthy device than exists today they wanted those elements because right now when you're holding up a phone it's never sort of clear whether someone's recording you or not right um but i would say it is a bit jarring when you walk into their office and everyone is wearing one of these pins. <laughs> uh, I mean, that is that's a lot. Um, but there are elements of it that sort of make it sneaky and and sort of fall back into the world in a way, because the the speaker can be tuned so quietly that they say that people use it in the office to listen to music or whatever, and the person next to them can't really hear it. So there are are things like that that are kind of nice, but uh, also could be sneaky. But the main thing is that that light, that trust light, is designed to be tamper resistant. Uh, the device becomes inoperable if someone tries to mess with that. So it is important to note that they've tried to build privacy in uh, from the very beginning. Right. But still, walking around with camera on your lapel is not necessarily uh, a privacy-forward business plan. Correct. And they... Uh, <laughs> They have angled the camera such that it actually does conform to various body types and will sort of film what you kind of is in front of you rather than filming the sky. Because you can imagine if something is sitting on your your chest, it'll kind of point upward. So they've designed this curvature uh, to address that. So it can take pretty good photos. I was able to see um, see some of the photos taken by it. They weren't too bad. It's a 13 megapixel resolution uh, that comes off. And you can preview the photos in this weird laser ink on your hands. I wouldn't say it's, it's, it's too clear, but uh, from a user perspective, that's probably good because you don't have to deal with any shoulder surfers. Right, right. Hmm. 
All right, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk more about Humane and its AI pin. This podcast is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Each episode features insight you won't find anywhere else from the center of the conversation surrounding emerging technologies like AI. Right now on the podcast, you can hear a special episode where Brad Smith lays out Microsoft's vision for a vibrant marketplace driving the new AI economy. To hear more, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. It's Neil. I've got some huge news. Decoder is moving to Mondays and Thursdays. We're adding a second episode of the show. On Mondays, we'll have our classic interviews with CEOs and other troublemakers. I think we're going to have to start having conversations about how do we pay those jobs that can't be done by AI. And on Thursdays, we'll be explaining big topics in the news with Verge reporters, experts, and other friends of the show. There's a new generation of people on the internet. Google search has always sucked for them. So, you know, there's no reason for them to be loyal. They can just go to TikTok. This is going to be really fun. I'm very excited about all this. So go subscribe wherever you get your podcasts now. We've been hearing about Humane for years. The company has been taking meetings around Silicon Valley and speaking sort of vaguely about this technology since before the pandemic. And then in April of 2023, one of the co-founders got on stage at TED and gave sort of a proto-demo similar to what you saw this week. Uh, That was, you know, a long journey to get from the first inklings of this device to something that sort of works. And now here we are several months later with something that actually works and is ready for the world. What took the company so long to get this device out? They say they've gone through a lot of user testing. So first they had to figure out that, you know, that curvature needed to be designed into the system to allow it to to capture images properly, uh, figure out how it could work with a lot of different body shapes. Uh, they had to do drop testing. This is sort of a, a ground up device. So they say, that took a lot of time to rethink what a, a phone can look like in that uh, shape. And then it took a long time to miniaturize the technology. So they say they spent about 18 months once they had a, had sort of all these components to make them as small as possible. So that took a considerable amount of time. And they've been uh, testing the device that you see sort of today for about a year and a half. Uh, with employees and, and sort of other early testers. So I think that plays into it as well. How much funding have they raised? They've raised two hundred, about $230 million, including $100 million that they announced raising earlier this year. Uh, so that's a substantial uh, chunk of money. And uh, they're reportedly valued at about $850 million as well. And this money comes from a lot of big technology companies, a lot of partners that they have used um, or the partners that they've worked with to help develop this technology. Uh, like Qualcomm and LG uh, and Microsoft and Volvo. There's also uh, a very notable investor in uh, OpenAI CEO, Sam Altman, uh, Mm. who's one of Humane's earliest investors. And Mm. he is reportedly working on an AI hardware product with uh, Apple's former head of design, Johnny Ive, right? Yes, there's been rumors about that. So I think... uh, Humane's take on it is that it's great that there's excitement in the space, that people are trying to to rethink what a smartphone can look like. 
Uh, there's ideas out there about necklaces, you know, different form factors like that. Things maybe similar to a smartwatch. Uh, but the idea is it's sort of like an AI first product. Right. You can probably wear an AI pin as a necklace if you want to. You could. I don't, don't think it has any place you can easily strap it on, but it is magnetic. So the yeah. way that it straps onto your clothing is is through a, a magnet on the other side. And then maybe it would make some of that projection technology, the laser tech, a little bit more awkward, right? As opposed to pinning it in a place where it very clearly shoots the lasers at your hand. But we're going to have yeah. to try this when we can actually get our hands on the thing. <laughs> Yes, but they do uh, include a, like a clasp that you can use to pin the pin onto a bag, for example. And they say that's huh. sort of like a normal use case um, oh, because they are trying to make this into a sort of a, a product that works for everyone. And that is kind of fashion forward. Right. And they did debut it. Uh, I believe this version was debuted at Paris Fashion Week. Is that right? New York Fashion Week? Yeah, they've done a couple fashion shows. I don't see the fashion in this myself. <laughs> um, you know, the first thing I think about when I see a device like this is a uh, is the body worn cameras that police officers wear. You know, it is not as clunky as has one of those, um, but it it's still not something I can imagine. You know, being worn uh, at like a, <laughs> at a very fancy cocktail party. You know, what. <laughs> I think our, our big boss here at Condé Nast would have to be like the arbiter of uh, whether or not this is fashion forward. Um, would be curious to hear her thoughts. But um, Parash, I'm wondering if there are any broader market forces here that are making hardware any more appealing than it typically is. Because the thing that we hear from hardware startups a lot is that hardware is hard. It's hard to imagine. It's hard to build an engineer. It's hard to prototype. It's hard to launch. It's hard to get the funding for it. Even then, uh, there's a lot of opportunity for things to go wrong. Um, it's it's hard, right? It's hard on like all levels. And so I'm wondering when you like see something like this, you talk to the folks at Humane, or you hear that Sam Altman, who uh, presumably doesn't really like really need to do much beyond like what he's currently working on at OpenAI with ChatGPT and, and like making, you know, the next powerful iterations of that, like what is the appeal of making hardware right now? A few things to say on that. One, the Humane co-founders, a uh, husband and, and wife duo, came from, from Apple where they worked on things like the Apple keyboard and a lot of software projects as well. But they come from this hardware background, so, you know, working at this giant hardware company. So having that expertise helps a little bit and why Humane wants to take this on and why others, you know, from hardware backgrounds are taking this on. Two, the AI revolution, you know, what we've seen over the past year with ChatGPT, uh, there's a lot of excitement about having the ability now to have way more information and knowledge at our fingertips and, and how do we deliver it and how do we get it to, to sort of normal people. And one of the things that's available now is these really robust voice interfaces that, you know, weren't as good 12 months ago. Uh, until these large language models uh, came around, there, so there's an opportunity to to really think things through from the ground up, and that's part of why you see this excitement right now and mm. the investment coming through. And to be clear, the competition is good. 
right? We should have more choices when it comes to buying hardware products that can fit into our lives that come from companies that are not trillion dollar companies necessarily. But it sounds like what you're saying is that actually it's the developments in software that are happening right now that are driving more interest in this space. I would think so. Uh, Certainly some of the experts I've spoken to say that they give Humane a lot of credit for trying something different. Everyone for the last, uh, you two probably know better, but let's say five years have been talking a lot about smart glasses and, and virtual reality headsets things that still take you kind of out of this world um, and don't really allow you to to interact naturally. I wouldn't say that the the pin gets you quite there. You know, it's still this thing that's kind of in the way. When you're translating, you kind of have to wait for it. Um, they did this demo where they sent a, sent a text message and it still reads the text message back to you the same way that, you know, a, a voice assistant on your phone does. It's not like you can trust the AI completely, right? I would love to get to the point where I say, send a message to Michael that we need to record this show. And I can just trust it to send it off without reading it back to me and, and asking for sort of my okay. And we're just not there yet. Um, so I think they have a ways to go, but that's sort of, you know, part of the appeal and, and why they're they're trying at it and why people give them credit for trying. And you can see where they're going with this, right? I mean, the name of the company is Humane. Uh, it conjures, uh, for people who, who are familiar with the technology industry of recent years, it conjures a lot of the conversation around hu- humane technologies, technologies that don't try to suck you into an app and keep you there for as long as possible, right? Um, technologies that allow you to gain back a little bit of your brain and a little bit of your your waking hours. Uh, so how much of that is in their product messaging? How much of that is in the design of this thing? How much is it uh, sort of uh, encouraging you to not carry your phone when you walk out of the house? It's a huge part of the messaging. I don't think they're quite at the point where they're saying, don't carry your smartphone out of the house as well. Um, the same way we haven't all ditched laptops completely. Um, for work purposes, laptops you know, tend to, be, tend to be useful for a lot of workers out there. Uh, in that same way, um, that's why they've created this complement for the time being. Mm. I do like the fact that it's complementary to your phone and is not reliant on your phone because it means that it's platform agnostic. I can use it with an iPhone or I can use it with an Android phone. Good for us Android users. Uh, but it's, <laughs> And it's, it's also notable that uh, the foundation for the, the software is the Android operating system for the, for the Humane AI pin which for some reason they lowercase the the i in ai just to let you know uh so it's like i ai i mean it's still ai pin but it's lowercase they're really into that uh the so yeah it's based on android which should make it easier for sort of the instagrams and spotify's the world to develop connections to the ai pin it won't be super easy because there's these gestures and all these new input types but uh it does mean that at least developers out there won't have to be starting from complete scratch, um, which is important to to sort of creating this ecosystem, which could be a pretty significant driver of revenue for for Humane, assuming that they're taking a cut of some of these services that they'll be offering. Yeah, and assuming they sell millions of them. They could get there. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, that seems like a good place to end. Let's take a quick break and we'll come right back with our recommendations. Want a new podcast to look forward to each week? One that's entertaining, informative, and packed with actionable content? Come on, of course you do. 
introducing the Jordan Harbinger Show. The Jordan Harbinger Show, which Apple named one of its best of 2018, is aimed at making you a better informed, more critical thinker so you can get a sense of how the world actually works and come to your own conclusions about what's happening, even inside your own brain. Jordan dives into the minds of fascinating people, from athletes, authors, and scientists, to mobsters, spies, and hostage negotiators. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R, in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. Okay, this is the third part of our show where we go around the table and ask everybody to recommend something our listeners might like. Paresh, as our guest, you get to go first. What's your recommendation? Man, putting me on the spot right off the bat. Uh, (laughs) I would say uh, my recommendation is Kim's Convenience, which is uh, a show that was broadcast on Canadian television, made its way over to Netflix a few years ago. So it's been around a while, but just been catching up on it uh, in the house. And I would say, you know, it's it's a portrayal of like a Korean convenience store and the family behind it. Uh, it's, you know, it's very wholesome. Uh, it's very nice to see. I would say that since it's aired and since it came out and since it got sort of like canceled, uh, people involved have raised concerns about problematic behavior on the set and some racist stereotypes that were, um, you know, in the storylines and later seasons. But I think those are important things um, to keep in mind, but still watch the show because it sort of teaches you to to, to think critically about what you're watching and, and the jokes being made and, and sort of those portrayals and what that says about different groups' representation in the media. Uh, and at the end of the day, you know, with the heightened conflict that's happening in the world right now, not to get get too deep. Um, I think it's important to sort of watch shows like this that expose yourself to other cultures. Uh, and while we're on Canadian shows, there's also uh, another old uh, Canadian show, Burn of Truth, that aired in the U.S. on CW that uh, I also enjoyed back in the day. Nice. And where can you watch Kim's Convenience now? Netflix, you said? Uh, it's available on Netflix, at least in the U.S. Awesome. All right. Thanks for that. Lauren, what's your recommendation? My recommendation is Oppenheimer, the book. We've already (laughs) talked about the movie on this show back in July. uh, And then I said, you know what? I'm going to read the book, American Prometheus by Kai Bird and Martin Sherwin, which is the giant tome that the film was largely based on. And folks, it is months later (laughs) and is now... November. Uh, I first picked up the book in July. I, uh, I've i worked through a few other books in that time. And now I'm finally in the final portion of this giant book about J. Robert Oppenheimer, the father of the atomic bomb. It is an incredibly thoroughly researched book. Uh, the primary author spent something like 25 years on it, writing it. Um, the, it, it so many sources, so many documents, so much thought went into reporting out this book. And it's really not just about the invention of the atomic bomb, but the political climate in which it was invented and the fallout from that on Oppenheimer, who was basically targeted as a communist during the Red Scare uh, because of some of the political activity that he was involved in in his younger years. 
and how after doing this thing that was, you know, seen as heroic on behalf of the U.S. government was then effectively torn down by that same government for his political affiliations. And uh, it's just a fascinating, it's a fascinating book. Um, and if you're at all interested in the topic to begin with, I recommend it. Like if you just, if you, if you're like, you know, I'm not really interested in learning about that, but I'm going to try to get through this 600 page book, like you're not going to enjoy it, but it's, uh, because it's, it's a lot of broccoli, but it's, um, it's, yeah, it's great. I have a lot of admiration for the authors of this book and the book itself. So that's my recommendation. Have you guys read it? No, it's far too long for me to read. Yeah, I have long. not. <laughs> and the type spec is really small. <laughs> this book that I've got. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, those of you who follow me on Instagram now, I've been Instagramming it lately. Like, this is endless. This just keeps going. It well, just keeps I, going. But, I, but I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm a glutton for punishment. I, uh, I, I think that you have to finish it before the end of the year. And if you don't, then you make finishing the book your 2024 New Year's resolution. <laughs> Uh, I'm definitely going to finish it before the end of the year. I actually feel confident I'll finish it before the end of this week. All right. So, yeah, uh, that is my recommendation. Mike, what's yours? I'm going to recommend a piece of hardware. It's a it's a cool little piece of hardware. I actually have it here. And since this is an, uh, an audio medium, I will describe it to you. <laughs> uh, it is the FM3 Buddha machine, also just known as the Buddha machine. Um, it's, what would you say, Paresh? It's about the size of a pack of smokes. Pretty much. It's a just a little bigger than a pin. It's a little bit bigger than a pin. It's a plastic box. It has a speaker on it and two buttons and a headphone jack, and that's it. And it's an audio device. Stored on the Buddha machine are a bunch of ambient sound loops that were created by a, a couple of artists, an artist from Europe and an artist from China, about uh, about 20 years ago. And... FM3 Buddha machine went out into the world and I snatched one up a very long time ago. It has since stopped working. So I was thrilled to see that uh, somebody has, has officially re-released the original Buddha machine and updated uh, the internals and the audio and the case and everything about it. It still looks the same. It functions a little bit nicer and it sounds a little bit better. Um, so yeah, it's it's the it's the 2023 edition of of the OG Buddha machine. How did you find out that this went on sale? Uh, I uh, subscribed to a newsletter. My friend Mark Weidebaum, um, it's called Disquiet, and he was like, "Hey, the Buddha machine is back," and posted a link, and it was an immediate buy. Uh, so I would say that if you have any like weirdo sound art friends or musician friends or friends who like to meditate and use white noise machines and things like that, it makes a great gift. It's this strong. is awesome. It's so cute. <laughs> it is very cute. There's so many different colors. Do you want to hear what how, it sounds like? Yeah. How long does the battery, it's two AA batteries. How long did it, does it last for? Oh, years. It oh, lasts years. Yes. At least the old one did. The old one lasted years. Let me turn it on. And it has a bunch of different loops. All right, so yeah, it just plays loops and you just, you turn it on 
and you set it down, you find a loop you like, and you can either put headphones in or you can just leave it sitting on your desk and it just makes noise. And it's very calming. It's very calming. I, I love, love that this about thing. it. Yeah, it's really neat. Sorry, did you say how much it was? Uh, it's like after tax and shipping, it's about 40 bucks. Yeah. I think it's like three, one thirty-two, something like that. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's under it's an under forty dollar gift pick. I don't know how much normal white noise machines cost, but oh, this is feels th- like a lot. This is no normal white noise <laughs> machine. It's a, <laughs> oh. it's, it's a beautiful piece of art. Mike, I I kind of want that for Christmas. Okay, noted. Can you make it happen? I can. Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right. Well. That is our show for this week. Excellent picks, everybody. Paresh, thanks for coming on and telling us about this this new radical computing device. It was quite Pinteresting. <laughs> Pinteresting. Paresh, if you just buy a $37 Buddha machine and you pin it to your chest, is that essentially the same thing as the humane pin? Probably not quite. I think you're missing uh, <laughs> about $500 worth of sensors. Okay. Yeah, no cameras. No cameras, everybody. All right. And thank you all for listening. If you have feedback, you can find all of us on the social medias. Just check the show notes to find our handles. Our producer is Boone Ashworth. We will be back next week with a new show. And until then, goodbye. Hi, I'm Jeremy Larson, the Reviews Director of Pitchfork. And this podcast is supported by Pitchfork Music Festival. Pitchfork Music Festival will take place July 19th through the 21st at Union Park in Chicago, Illinois. This year's lineup features Jamie XX, Alanis Morissette, Black Pumas, Carly Rae Jepsen, Brittany Howard, Jay Paul, Muna, Jesse Ware, 100 Gex, and many more. The festival also features diverse vendors as well as specialty record, poster, and craft fairs and works to support local businesses while promoting the Chicago arts and food communities as a whole. For more information on tickets and lineup, visit pitchforkmusicfestival.com. Thank you.